1: Yes, like Jesus said, we cannot know the day or the hour, but we can know the season.
2: To Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles, with Pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. And now for today's Core Truth, Pastor Steve will be picking up in part two of a study titled Knowing the Time. So
1: Israel was to bear fruit of what? The light to what? All the nations of the world. So all the nations of the world should be coming into a relationship with God because of Israel. That's what their calling was. The reason that God made them a people was to lead all the nations, every single person on planet Earth, into a relationship with the living God. That's what their purpose was. When they were not leading other people to Christ, when they became toddlers and said, mine, mine, we keep God to ourselves. Okay, when that happened, no fruit. They're not producing fruit. The fruit of Israel was always to lead other nations into a relationship with the living God. That's what the fruit was. Okay, so yet Israel had fallen so far out of God's will, because they weren't doing that, that they no longer bore fruit. And they didn't have any visible sign of fruit. And they didn't even have any visible sign of even knowing God. That's why Jesus went on to curse Israel's leaders. He wasn't cursing the Jewish people as a whole, for they are his chosen people. They are the apple of his eye. And who are the ones that accepted Jesus? It was all the common Jews of Israel. They're the ones that embraced him. If you're a non-Jew here today, and you're a believer in Christ, you thank God for all of those Jews back then. All the disciples were Jews. The apostle Paul was a Jew. Jesus came for the Jew first and also the Gentile. So if you're a Gentile like me, you thank God for all those people back in the day that believed in Jesus. They're the ones that spread the message. The apostle Paul was the first you know, missionary that went out and started churches all over the known world. It was the, it was the Jews that brought the message to the Gentiles. They were producing fruit. But back in this day, Jesus cursed the religious leaders because they were no longer leading or guiding God's people back to his word. So Jesus said this to them. This is right before he was taken and crucified. So in Matthew 23, right before he gave Matthew 24, the Olivet Discourse on what it's going to be like before the end, he said this in Matthew 23, 37. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather you together as children, and you were unwilling Behold, your house is being left to you desolate. You're empty because you didn't hear all of my warnings. You didn't hear what I had to call you. Remember Jeremiah that stepped up and and he, he spoke the truth of God's word before they were taken into captivity into Babylon? And he says, repent, repent, or God's gonna bring this other nation. He's gonna take you into captivity for 70 years. And the people's like, yeah, right, whatever. They took Jeremiah, they beat him. They put him in prison. And it's just like, oh, you know, how many times God warned his people, but they didn't listen, so guess what happened? (laughs) Babylon came in, conquered Jerusalem, took all the people into Babylon into captivity for 70 years, just like what God said would happen. Yes? I wonder if any of us today could be guilty as Christians of the very same thing being a people who are unwilling to listen to God. Or even worse, Rejecting Jesus as Savior of the world. Let me ask you, do you have any doubts about if God is real or not? Well, one of many ways you can be encouraged is by the accuracy of everything that's predicted in the Bible that God said would happen in the last days. Consider what Jesus said in Matthew 24 2 in response to the Disciples admiring the temple in Jerusalem. Again, this was not the temple that Solomon built. It's not the second one that was built. This is the third temple that was built by Herod the Great. It was started somewhere around 49 BC and they were almost completed with it. It was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. It was a beautiful temple built there on the Temple Mount and they were leaving the Southern Steps and they were going back over to cross the Kidron Valley over to uh, the Mount of Olives. And, and the disciples, oh, Jesus. Jesus, look how beautiful the temple is just, you know, it's just a a wonderful work of art here. And that's what started the whole message of the Olivet Discourse there anyway. And he said, look, you guys are admiring this building. Let me tell you, not one of those stones will be left upon another one. This entire temple that you're telling me about right now, that you're saying is so beautiful, it's going to be completely destroyed. He said that, 37 years before it happened. He said it many years before. It was recorded in the book of Matthew that was wrote many years before 70 AD. Yes, they didn't have a clue what was going to happen. The disciples probably looked at Jesus and said... Yes, you know, that's really deep, Master. Mm -hmm. They didn't have a clue what he was talking about. In reality, they didn't know. But Jesus was God in the flesh. And as the creator of the universe, he spoke with truth. He spoke with accuracy. And he told them what exactly was going to happen because he is God. And he is outside of time. And he knew exactly what was going to happen because only God knows the future. And he knew that in 70 AD, Rome would invade Israel completely led by general titus and they would burn it to the ground and since all the beams and the doors of the temple were overlaid with pure gold all of it melted and ran between the cracks of the foundation so the romans completely disassembled the temple in order to retrieve the gold just as jesus said not one stone would be left upon another now uh The Romans probably didn't burn the temple. Uh, It's said in history that the Jews themselves burned the temple because they didn't want the Romans to come in and desecrate it, so they actually set it on fire. But nonetheless, whoever set it on fire, again, the gold ran into the seams, and they completely pulled it apart. Later, excavations show all the stones that for the temple are right there in jerusalem outside of the southern wall and they're sitting there and you can see them to this day i have pictures of me standing next to them where they completely disassembled it again just as jesus said and the jewish people they fled from their homeland and they were dispersed throughout the world but they were brought back from the four winds of the world you know of east west north and south but getting back here to the parable of the fig tree that he said here learn the lesson from the parable of the fig tree in matthew twenty four thirty two. many bible scholars believe including myself that this is a direct reference it's a direct reference to the fig tree the nation of israel being rebirth or rebutting if being brought back alive again or once again becoming a nation They were driven out by the Romans in 70 AD, and as you know, on May 14th, 1948, after the Holocaust of World War II, where six million Jews were senselessly slaughtered, the world had compassion on the Jewish people, and for the first time in 1878 years, they were granted their own homeland, Israel, back again. The Old Testament book of Ezekiel written 700 years before Jesus was ever born records this happening. It was a vision of dry bones. Listen to how God explains this vision. Ezekiel 37 11 says, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope has perished. Why? Because they were abandoned for 1,878 years. We are completely cut off. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves and I will cause you to come up and out of your graves. My people, I will bring you into the land of Israel. And I will put my spirit within you, and you will come to life, and I will place you on your own land. Then you will know that the Lord God has spoken this. Now, some people have said, well, this was the Babylonian captivity. They went away for 70 years, and then God brought them back. Okay, well, we got some problems with that because He says here, I'm going to bring you back from all the four corners of the world. When they were taken into Babylon, They were just taken to Babylon and then right back. See, they were dispersed around the world. So that's where he brings them back from. So it couldn't have been the Babylonian uh, exile. Plus, in chapters 38 and 39, in context, it's twice that he's talking about these are things that are happening in the last days. He says last days specifically twice. Plus, here in our text in Ezekiel 37, he says, And when you come back, this time I'll fill you with my Holy Spirit. Okay, now, that's a big point there. That's a big point because the Holy Spirit didn't come upon the Jews first. It didn't come upon them until when? After Jesus was crucified. He was laid in a grave for three days. He rose again and then 50 days after that Sabbath that he was crucified on, 50 days later on the day of Pentecost, what happened? Peter preached the message and a Holy Spirit of God came upon all the people. See, that had never happened before. In the Old Testament, there was only onesies, twosies that got filled with the Holy Spirit. We know that David, when he was anointed with oil from Samuel, the prophet was filled with the Holy Spirit. There was only a few prophets that were filled with the Holy Spirit. But here in Ezekiel 37, it says, my Holy Spirit will fall upon all people, all people. And that's why the apostle Paul, a Pharisee who was Saul of Tarsus, who came into a uh, relationship with Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, this Saul of Tarsus who was trained by Gamamiel, one of the most famous and noted rabbis of the time. He became a Messianic Jew. He came into a relationship with Christ. And he said in 1 Corinthians 3.16, do you not know that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? Don't you know that you're the temple now? See, the word temple comes from a couple different words in the the Greek. One, it's herion. It's like, hey, look at the temple. It's over there on the Temple Mount. See? it? We're here on the Mount of Olives. You can see the Temple Mount. No, 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 no. He's not talking about that. He doesn't use that word here. He uses the other word, nehos, which is the, uh, this is the actual holy of holies. So it's not saying just the temple. It's picking out one part of the temple, and the one part of the temple that housed the Ark of the Covenant, the box that Moses built that had the temple commandments in it okay the ark of the covenant represented the presence of god and they would take the ark of the covenant and they didn't just put it in the temple they put it into the nahos into the holiest of holy of the temples and he says don't you know that you're not just a building you're the nahos you're where the spirit of god dwells You are the very, the presence of God dwells inside of you. So he says that that these people would be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is nothing short of incredible. So what did Jesus go on to say about this amazing event? Matthew 24, 34 says, Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass. What what generation? Wait, wait, let's work. You got to get this. The generation that sees the rebutting of the nation Israel. Learn the parable of the fig tree. When the fig tree comes back alive, when it's filled with the Holy Spirit, this generation will not pass until they see the coming of the Son of Man. The generation of people, the generation that watched the rebutting of the fig tree. When did that happen again? May 14th, 1948. 1948. Well, that generation of people, well, what's a generation of people? You go to Psalm ninety, verse ten, and it said, see, people used to live hundreds of years in times past. They, you know, you know, Methuselah was nine hundred and sixty-nine years old, the oldest guy in the Bible. Moses, you know, uh, you know, the the the, the, the lifespan started getting cut down. I mean, Abraham was like a, what 160 or something when he died, and then Moses was like 120, and then God cut down the generations of man. So in Psalm ninety, verse ten, it says the generation of man is seventy years, and if you if you do good, eighty years somewhere somewhere between 70 and 80 years i was in israel in 2018 on uh, you know on march 14th 2018 that was their 70th year anniversary i was there in the streets of israel as they were rejoicing i was there for the 70th year somehow the people the generation of people those who were alive when may 14th 1948 happened are going to see the coming of the son of man the rebirth of the nation of israel we will see jesus and then jesus said in verse 35 that heaven and earth will not pass away my word or he said heaven and earth will pass away but my words will not pass away meaning if the bible scholars interpret this correctly this amongst many of the other prophecies is quite amazing to say the least that his return could be soon it could be soon it could be today it could be tomorrow it could be five years from now but when will it happen exactly well we will never know the exact day which brings up our final point look around look around That's why we have Bible studies like this, looking at everything that's happened around us. Look around at what's happening around us. Look around. Let's read what it says in Matthew 24, 36. He says, But of the day and the hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. Oh, okay. So we can look back to Noah's day and know that when we see things happening in our world like Noah's day, that his coming is soon. Verse 38. For in those days, talking about Noah's days, before the flood, they were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying They were given in marriage. They were divorcing until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So will the coming of the Son of Man be. Wow. Wow. Know this. We'll never know the exact day or hour that Jesus will come back. That's why, you know, any ministry or any individual that writes a book and that sets a date or a time on Jesus' return is a complete and total false prophet. Because he said, no one knows the date, not even the son, only the father himself. But what he has shared with us, we can know. And what has he shared with us? that we can know that the time is near. Why? By simply listening to what God has already told us in the Bible concerning last day's events. Jesus gave us a big hint in verse 37. We're told that his coming will be and will mimic or literally parallel the events that were happening in Noah's day. Now you remember in Noah's day, God destroyed the whole earth because of the wickedness of man. I mean, the the wickedness of man was so great that God was so upset, he destroyed every single human being on the planet except for Noah, his wife, his three sons, and his three sons' wives. That's what the Bible teaches, and that's what happened. Jesus said in verse 38 they were doing what in Noah's day? They were partiers. They were eating and they were drinking, they were marrying and they were divorcing. When we look at Noah's day a little closer, we also see that it was filled with total and absolute perversion. God said in Genesis chapter 6 that the wickedness of man was so great that God was sorry that he made man. Think about that. Peter gave us a little bit more insight, and Peter told us that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. They, They lived longer back there. Like I said, Noah, I think he lived to be 950 years old or something like that. So, The Bible says that it took him a hundred years to build the ark that floated all the animals and all of that out, okay? So it took him a hundred years to build that. During that hundred years, Peter tells us he was a preacher of righteousness, meaning while he's building this big boat in a place that had no water. Hey, Noah, where are you going to take that boat? Uh, Well, the water's coming to us. It's like, oh, you're a nut. You're crazy. You're a lunatic. Okay. It's like, no, I'm telling you, God's going to judge the world because of all the wickedness. Ah, ha, ha. Let's go up and laugh at Noah. Okay. So no one listened to him. He preached to them for a hundred years and nobody listened until the rain started flooding. Then people came and they were banging on the ark to get in, but God sealed the door of the ark and no one could come in. Yes. They did not listen to the warnings that were given to them. Their wickedness was overdone and God was going to judge them. Not one person repented of their sins. We look at our world today and where are we at? Just like... Noah's day we have sexual perversion has encompassed the globe we have human trafficking we all hear about human trafficking that's a nice way of saying they are taking little girls and women from all over the world and they're using them for sexual exploitation all over the world and so we got human trafficking it's sexual deviancy with little children and with women all over the world. And what is that followed by? Well, of course, abortion. Killing unwanted babies right out of the mother's wombs. Because when you have sexual perversion, you have unwanted pregnancies. Here in the United States alone, and of course, I don't. who knows what the number is around the world, but here in the United States, since we legalize killing babies in a mother's womb, It's like we've killed 61 million babies. That's the entire population of California, Washington, Oregon, Arizona, and Nevada. So think about that. Every single person living on the whole western side of the United States, that's how many babies have been aborted and it's like one of the things that roasts god's grits more than anything was when the children of israel were giving their babies as life sacrifices to god of Moloch in the bible and he says anyone that does that they will be killed immediately he wiped out nations for killing babies so i'm just telling you god does not like abortions and we are massively not just the united states but the world is guilty and there's going to be a huge judgment now, for anyone here, if you've had an abortion, you know, know this. God can forgive you, and he can cleanse you of what has been done wrong, and he loves you, and the good thing about all these aborted babies, here's the good thing, okay? Here's the best news of all. Every one of those babies are taken immediately into the presence of God. Every single one of them. So praise God for that. And if you repent of your sin, if you've had an abortion, guess what? Not only will you be forgiven, but you'll be reunited with your son or daughter in heaven. And that's a great thing. But we have an alarming amount of people here in the United States that divorce which Jesus mentions here specifically in Matthew 24. And this is not just a problem in America where we have over 50% of marriages end in divorce. It is a global problem. Belgium is at 61% of marriages in divorce. Uh, Spain is at 67%. Portugal is over 70% of marriages end in divorce. Yes, like Jesus said, we cannot know the day or the hour, but we can know the season. Look around. Everything that he's saying is, this is not just America, it's in the global problems that we have. We can know that we're getting closer and closer to that glorious day when the Lord will descend from heaven with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God will blast and Jesus Christ will take us up as believers and we'll be caught up together to be forever with the Lord raptured in heaven. And that will start the seven-year tribulation period, which, as we have seen today, will return at the end of that seven years, Jesus Christ at the end. The Bible is filled with fascinating facts that we are seeing happen in front of our own eyes. Here's an interesting fact that was written 2,000 years ago. Turn in your Bibles over to Revelation chapter 13. Revelation 13. The devil is going to try to duplicate everything that God has already done. He's a duplicator. He's not an inventor. He's a duplicator. Now the devil he makes no you know qualms about this. He wants to be God. That's how he got kicked out of heaven. The Bible says that Satan's name was Star of the Morning. He was the most beautiful angelic being in heaven. And he tried to raise his throne above God's throne in heaven. Of course, that's when he was, got the royal boot and was blasted out of heaven with one-third of the angels. So in Revelation chapter 13, verse 1, it talks about the dragon there. He is the anti-God, meaning this is the devil. He's the dragon. He wants to be God. The first beast there in first 1, That is the Antichrist that he raises up. This is going to be a man that's completely possessed by the devil, and he will be the Antichrist. That will be kind of equivalent to Jesus Christ, but he'll be the Antichrist. Then the second beast that you see in Revelation 13, verse 11, he's the anti-Holy Spirit, known as the false prophet. So what Satan does here is he tries to counterfeit the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, even as God has done. Notice the second beast in verse 11, again, is like a lamb. Jesus. You know, he's a type of Jesus. And Jesus said this in Matthew seven fifteen. He says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves.
2: That's all the time we have for this message. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve Download the Core Church Los Angeles free app, available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by an listener supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app and online at corechurchla.org. And remember, there's a God in heaven who loves you.